At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. Swap those idiots who believe in analytics. Good morning and welcome in. No Gil Alexander. He is on vacation. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. Here at VCN, the Sports Betting Network. We have a lot to get to here on a numbers game in the final hour. Plenty of baseball left. We have a lot of analysis on the NBA as well. I want to talk about some of these, uh, we'll call them weird shooting performances, but some of these anomalies. It's been a lot of fun to track um, over the weekend. A very good weekend of basketball, by the way. Uh, but there are some statistical anomalies to dive into and what they mean for a series going forward because there was a lot of freaking out over the weekend. It is funny. And I know a lot of us, like the collective us, we get caught up in the moment. There were a lot of teams that went down like 0-1 and some of the big teams, right? We saw the top. We saw the Utah Jazz, saw the Los Angeles Lakers. We saw the Los Angeles Clippers. So all these teams go down in the first game of their series, and there was a lot of essentially the series is over. They play best of seven for a reason. And when you have some of the weird oddities statistically in some of these games that you do, there's probably going to be some regression to the mean then over the course of a series, it'll correct itself. Case in point, let's talk a little bit about Utah and Memphis, right? Because I saw some sarcastic tweets from basketball analysts analysts, sorry, better word, over the weekend where there was celebration of Dylan Brooks. And Dylan Brooks had a fantastic game yesterday against the Utah Jazz, right? Brooks was insane. 31 points, was 13 to 26 from the floor, two of five from three-point range, split his six free throw attempts, was absolutely dynamic. And there was a lot of, oh, look, here we go. All these stat nerds, they're probably really mad about the mid-range shooting here. So the Memphis Grizzlies go nuts, right? Overall, offensive efficiency-wise, 114.4, very solid individual game offensive rating, especially against a team like the Utah Jazz, who, as we know defensively, are one of the best in the NBA. 
But I will challenge that the Utah Jazz are not going to allow, or the Memphis Grizzlies are not going to, go a combined 23 of 53 on mid-range shots for the entire series, right? Like, mid-range shooting in and of itself is something that teams eliminate overall, but actually the discourse around mid-range shooting is a little funny because elite players actually have it as a big part of their game. Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, it's about eliminating it as a team. So one good shooting night from Dylan Brooks from an inefficient area of the floor is not going to change anything for the most part. And if you look, by the way, a Memphis Grizzlies team who, from an offensive standpoint, actually lead the league in a lot of mid-range categories, right, in terms of frequency of attempts, in terms of shooting, or the last two play-in games from an offensive efficiency standpoint weren't very good. And so I, I, I thought that was pretty funny, but I think really the takeaway is here twofold, right, for the Utah Jazz. One, it's this. It's the fact that a Jazz team that will allow you to take mid-range shots got kind of burned on mid-range shooting. That's probably going to correct itself. You're not going to get the same performance, especially for Brooks potentially, in terms of taking shots from that area of the floor, especially the long mid-range shots, which were nuts. They, they were 5 of 6, but the short mid-range where Memphis really um, you know, butters their bread, and that's what they did yesterday. But overall, the other part of it is, too, we had this weird situation with Donovan Mitchell's injury, right, where he's announced as active, but then right before the game, he's not going to play. I just personally read into it that I think Utah thought they can get away with one, essentially, that eh, let's keep Donovan on the men for one more game. We could probably take game one. And they got off to a good start. End of the first quarter, they covered their first quarter line. It looked like they were going to start to run away from the Memphis Grizzlies. And then all of a sudden, the Grizzlies stage that come back, and then Utah can never really get back in it except until the end of the fourth quarter. And there just wasn't enough time to break back into this. But I think we're going to talk a lot about perimeter shooting anomalies, right? And what happened with these home teams and what happened with just shooting overall for some of these better shooting teams. We can actually talk about the Jazz being one of those, right? If you bank on the Jazz, like that's the other part of this. If you think the Grizzlies are going to shoot 43% on all of those mid-range attempts again and the Jazz are going to shoot 25.5% from three for the course of the series... I just don't think those are two sustainable factors. And we have some of the adjusted prices, too, by the way. And we talk about this, the Grizzlies who lead one to nothing over the Utah Jazz. Utah was a $14, you know, $14 favorite, minus $1,400, down to minus $350. Memphis was 8-1, to one, this courtesy of John Ewing, from 8-1 to one to plus 280, right? So you see those adjustments in terms of the series price. It's going to happen when you're down one nothing in a series. But overall, as a theme of what we're going to talk about here in the next couple of minutes, some of the things that we saw over the weekend from a lot of these basketball teams are certainly sustainable, but others aren't. And so after one game and a best of seven, I would not be freaking out about a lot of stuff like tap dancing on the grave of the Utah Jazz. We knew they were frauds. They arguably didn't have their best perimeter player, and they shot like crap from beyond the arc. Those are two things that are going to correct itself. And Donovan Mitchell, who looks like he's on his way back, I would say more than likely is going to be peering in game two, and that things will change here a little bit for the Utah Jazz. Grizzlies could still be very feisty and cover a lot of these numbers, push this to six games, but I'd still be very confident if you have a Jazz, like spread ticket, whatever on this series, that Utah is going to pull this out and that what we saw over the weekend from Utah, from an offensive standpoint, from Memphis specifically, is not going to will correct itself over the course of a series. It's a numbers game here on VSIN. You're listening to VSIN.com, VSIN. And at Fubal Sling Game Plus, iHeartRadio as well. And Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil Alexander this week and next week as well. So let's talk about a couple of these anomalies that we saw from an offensive standpoint over the weekend in the NBA. I, I thought a lot of it was pretty fascinating, right, in terms of what you saw from home teams, what you saw from really good shooting teams. So I wanted to talk about the, the good shooting teams first, right? So this is what we're talking about when we're talking about anomalies from a shooting standpoint. Let's start at the top of the, the list, right, and talk about this series at length a little bit more as well. The Los Angeles Clippers. 
The Clippers in game one of their series with the Dallas Mavericks ended up going 11 of 40 from a three-point range. For the season, the Clippers were the best three-point shooting team in the league. This is a team that shot 41.8% from beyond the arc. This is a team that, according to Cleaning the Glass, who tracks the different segments of the three-point line, right? Overall three-point shooting, above-the-break three-point shooting, corner three-point shooting, was first across the board, the Los Angeles Clippers were, in terms of three-point shooting in this regular season. And yet... They go 11 of 40 from beyond the arc, a 27.5% clip against the Dallas Mavericks, who remember, by the way, bottom half of the league in terms of perimeter defense as well. So that is something that I think is going to correct itself here if you're looking at the Los Angeles Clippers from a series standpoint, right? Are they going to shoot 41.8% when we come back, you know, tomorrow in this series? No, but are they going to shoot over 30% and a respectable 36 to 37? Probably, right? Because we've seen this team do it a lot. And the other thing is, as we look at this, because it's not just about the shooting, right? It's what else happened in this game that we can take moving forward. And if you look at the Clippers' perspective, what would make you think that they could still win this series? Because remember, we saw the Lakers do it in two series last year. We saw the number one overall seed last year do it as well in terms of losing game ones of their first series and moving on to win those series four straight. So this has happened before, so let's not bury these teams quite yet. But in terms of the Clippers, I think a really big positive that you take forward in terms of this series against the Dallas Mavericks is despite shooting under 30% from beyond the arc, you as a team still put up an offensive rating of 121.2. You still had an effective game in one of your primary areas for one of your best players in terms of mid-range shooting, right? Kawhi Leonard, very good mid-range scorer. Paul George at times can be 53.8% on those shots. But really, the three-point shooting is going to correct itself, and other aspects of this are going to correct itself as well. And even still, in terms of your half-court offense, your offensive rating in the half court, 103.6, an extremely good clip in the half court, despite the fact that you didn't shoot the ball well. So as you look at this adjusted series price for the Los Angeles Clippers, and you're looking at $1.45, and we take into account that there's going to be some adjustments, right? We already know that Ty Lue has come out and told the media that Kawhi Leonard is going to pick up Luka Doncic. A mind-blowing fact, by the way, that Ty Lue would make that adjustment after watching Vita Zubac just get absolutely destroyed on pick and rolls and getting switched on to him. But it sounds like... No more of these possessions with starting with a Patrick Beverly type on Luka Doncic. Seems like Kawhi Leonard will start to take that assignment. So we'll see what happens with Kristaps Porzingis, who was his main assignment in those defensive uh, possessions. So you're going to get that. So Luka's going to have a better defender on him. I have statistical regression, I would assume, is going to come here for the three-point shooting, for the best three-point shooting team in the league. And I still have the fact that they performed at a high level offensively against the Dallas Mavericks. So I think when you're looking at this from a series price perspective, Clippers is $1.45 coming back at home against the Dallas Mavericks. That would be, to me, a value play on Los Angeles, a team that at one point was over $4 to win this series. And it's a series bet that I've made Clippers at minus 145. You still like what you saw from the Clippers from an offensive standpoint outside of the shooting from, th- from beyond the arc. And here's the other thing, too. Dallas, as we've talked about, not the best defensive team. Clippers only turned it over on 4.7% of their attempts. Like, they were smooth in all areas of the court, but shooting. So if we get a better performance for Paul George, I know everybody made fun of Paul George immediately, but actually quietly had a very good fourth quarter. These are the kind of things that you kind of look for, I think, in series and where you try to find the value. So I think, again, so I bet it yesterday, forty-five Los Angeles Clippers to win this series. I think there was something there that that's going to correct itself, right? So then we look at the other statistical anomalies that we saw uh, over the weekend. We mentioned one of the Utah Jazz, mentioned another in the Los Angeles Clippers. How about this one? And this is a pretty interesting one, too, because this statistical anomaly still resulted in a victory. The Brooklyn Nets over the weekend. 
8 of 34 from beyond the arc. One of these many home teams, which you're going to get into, had a very poor shooting performance. 23.5% from one of the best perimeter offenses in the league. And the second best three-point shooting team at 40.1% shot 23.5% from deep. And still, by the way, not only won, but covered against the Boston Celtics. So what's the regression here? I mean, obviously the three-point shooting is going to get better and it's going to correct itself. But anecdotally, you take the best punch that you possibly can from the Boston Celtics and you still walk away in the second half with a win and a cover in game one over Boston. To me, this just more corroborates some of the thinking, right? You know, I have a couple of bucks on the Brooklyn Nets to win this thing in four, to win this game in five. If you have some of those exact series bets, I think you feel very confident that from a defensive standpoint, the Boston Celtics slowed this game down. From not, they threw your offense for a war on the first half. They started, I think, there was one point they were 0 for 10 or 0 for 11 from three-point range. And yet in the second half, your offense settles down. James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant come together to put together a really solid offensive performance in the second half and into the fourth quarter. You eventually pull away and you win this game. That second half for this game between the Nets and the Celtics, I think was very indicative of how this series was going to go, right? You expected that more over the course of a game, but instead they get off to a slow start. And maybe there's something to these teams being at home, getting these days off, right? Boston playing in a play-in matchup. We talked about the Dallas Mavericks who didn't play in a play-in matchup, but were on even footing with Los Angeles in terms of having that week off and then going on the road in something of a hostile environment. So maybe some of these home teams just a little rusty. But I think when you're looking at Brooklyn, there's really not a lot to go there. We did see uh, Patrick Everson tweet this out a couple minutes ago. I'm going to pull it up. There was one better who was very much enthused about what happened over the weekend and decided to put a uh, hefty piece here on the Brooklyn Nets to win the series. Let's see. BetMGM customer series up one nothing for the Nets, 420000 at minus 1500 to win 28000 So that person clearly believes that this is going to be a little bit easier for uh, the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, but really... Plus EV play, right? A team up one nothing with a massive price like that. They got to win. No way they're going to lose this series. Regardless, I think, again, the takeaway for Brooklyn is if you thought this was going to be kind of a laugher in terms of a series, you come away thinking the exact same thing after what happened in the second half, and you have statistical regression, I think, coming your way. Now, these next two are fascinating because they play later tonight, and I cannot wait to see how this plays out from this perspective. The Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. So as you see the comparisons between the two, you had Milwaukee go 5 of 31 from deep in non-garbage time minutes. You had Miami going 20 of 50 in non-garbage time minutes. So 16.1% for the sixth best shooting team in the NBA. And then 40% for the 19th best shooting team in the NBA at 36.2%. Now, the Heat thing is not that crazy, right? It's not a, a massive stretch to see a team that shot 36% on the year then shoot 40% in a game. So it's not a massive stretch. And keep in mind, too, over the last 16 games of the regular season, the Heat actually shot 39.5% as a team from beyond the arc. So hot shooting kind of continues for the Heat over the course of what's now 17 games coming into this matchup. I think you are worried if you are Milwaukee, if you are a series backer for the Bucks. That again, one of the things that I had written about, one of the things I have harped on here with the Milwaukee Bucks is the fact that they come into this season 29th in terms of their perimeter defense, three-point shooting allowed to opponents. You can tell me till you're blue in the face that they're just trying things out. Well, we have one playoff game in the books, and they have given up 40% from beyond the arc, and they were second to last in that category defensively. At some point, that's a weakness, and I think it is a weakness. So the fact that Miami, who in the first half really struggled, kind of came along with their shooting in the second half and late in the series or season, really started to put things together and then took advantage of that, that is somewhat worrisome. But you have a couple of things that work in your favor if you're Milwaukee. One is 
the fact that you, as the sixth best shooting team in the NBA, will more than likely regress to the mean in terms of your shooting, right? The Bucs are not going to shoot 16.1% from beyond the arc for the series. I'm willing to bet that that is not going to happen. But the other is, and this is something that Aaron Renning and I talked about at the top of the show today, where if you look at what Milwaukee did in terms of how they generated their offense, because keep in mind, you shot 16% from beyond the arc and you still won the game in overtime, was the fact that Milwaukee took advantage of Miami down low. They had 29 attempts within four feet of the basket. They hit 22 of them. They drew six shooting fouls. They shot 75.9% on a rim defense that ranked dead last in the second half of the year. See, that's troublesome, right? Because you have the personnel to continue to take advantage of a front court defense that has not been great for a pretty serious stretch now for the Miami Heat. So those shots you would expect to continue to fall at a similar rate. Is it going to be 60 or 76%? Probably not. But will you get a above-average shooting night from Milwaukee within four feet of the basket more often than not in the series? I believe so. So now all you're waiting for is the statistical regression of your three-point shooting to hit, which you would expect it to happen at some point. But we see this, we see this number today, right? Opens up four. Now we're up to about four and a half. Total of 222 and a half. We get to the total in a second. But I think this is fascinating because... There's a potential that Miami can still recreate this shooting magic that they have captured over the last 17 games against a pretty bad perimeter defense. But if you gauge that this shooting is going to regress to the mean for the Milwaukee Bucks, if you think that this is sustainable, what they did within four feet of the basket, which I think it is, and Miami did absolutely nothing within four feet of the basket in that game, I think this sets up as a better spot for the Milwaukee Bucks today in terms of winning this game and covering this number, as opposed to looking at Miami, who, if you remember in the... um, the first game, too, as we talk about our value and the numbers changing from a game-to-game basis. You know, remember last year in the Orlando bubble, we talked about this a lot, how despite the fact that they were playing on neutral courts and empty arenas, these numbers would change, even though they probably shouldn't. You're talking about Miami, who closes a five-and-a-half-point underdog in the first game, having some statistical regression coming, you would think, for the Milwaukee Bucks, but now you're laying a full point less. So I do believe the Bucks are... I think they're the side today in terms of winning this game and covering this and taking a 2-0 series lead, and we'll see what happens when we go back to Miami. But I think there's a lot to like here about Milwaukee. Now, what I'm fascinated by is how this series plays out from a total perspective. So as we saw, right, really just gritty, slow or low-scoring game, but very quietly, this is actually one of the quicker-paced games in the NBA, right? Milwaukee had 110 possessions the other day. Miami had 109. That's a pretty quick game for both of these teams. The offenses were just insanely inefficient. And so now we get totals of 222.5 that are sitting out there. ER is a better total guy than I am, but I'm, but I'm fascinated by something like this because you had two offenses, especially one that I think could perform a lot better in a very quickly paced game, but it, well, it falls well under the total. So it's something to keep in mind tonight. We'll see if these two clubs are going to continue to run up and down the court uh, as you know a series that looks like it could be a fun one and up and down the floor. And really quickly, as we kind of talk about these shooting anomalies, how about the home and away splits for these teams? Because this was, this was a fascinating thing to track too, and it ties into the game later tonight that we'll talk about as well. Home teams from beyond the arc in game ones, 27.3%. They were 76 of 278. Road teams in game ones of the NBA, 39.5%. 101 of 256. That is nuts in terms of that kind of a discrepancy. And again, it's an anomaly, and all those things are going to correct itself. Everything will average out to the mean. But like that kind of a discrepancy there is pretty crazy when you look at it just from that perspective, how home teams, and that note too, not a single team at home shot better than 33.3% in game ones in the NBA. 
So you'd expect that to come back, and really that's just a bunch of noise, but I think it's a pretty fascinating number. But When we talk about some of these numbers that stick out to you, though, I think those are the ones, right? We kind of hit them on the head. Utah, especially Memphis in terms of the mid-range shooting coming back to the mean, the Clippers shooting coming back and still maintaining good offensive form, the Brooklyn Nets shooting and being able to extend that gap between the two of them, right, Brooklyn and Boston, and then Milwaukee and Miami and how those two really work out, especially Milwaukee from an offensive standpoint. So really quickly, before we get out of here, let's take a look at the other game later tonight, Portland and Denver. Denver upwards, one-and-a-half-point favorite, total of 227. So this is really interesting, and it didn't really make – the cut in terms of shooting anomalies, although we can talk about Portland and what they did from a shooting perspective, but this is another one of those where the winning team had a massive edge in terms of three-point shooting, right? You talk about the Portland Trailblazers. Took 42% of their attempts from beyond the arc. They went 19-39, to 49, 48.7% non-garbage time, and of course making eight more three-point shots than the Denver Nuggets. But one of the things that played out in this game was actually one of the things that I was banking on Denver being able to do was just destroying Portland inside. And Denver in this game, offensive rating of 119.8, still very good for an individual game rating. And within four feet of the basket, going 21 and 27, drawing four shooting fouls and shooting 77.8%. And then you look at the other numbers, you realize Denver, in terms of their half-court offense, very good. 109.8 was their offensive rating, 109.8 points. Everyone had to plays in half-court situations. Those are things that I think are sustainable, right? You know, we have these conversations all the time around analytics and the most valuable shot. Well, the most valuable shot, right, is within four feet of the basket. And the Nuggets can maintain that against a team that ranks 23rd in frequency of attempts at the rim, I think more than likely, over the course of a best-of-seven series. That's why I have the Nuggets plus 112 to win the series against the Portland Trailblazers. Do you count on Portland in this series? And, you know, we mentioned this laughingly with ER again earlier – do you count on Portland shooting 48.7% from deep in this series? Four games is actually not a large sample size. So maybe the shooting continues and Portland shoots their way out of the series. They decimate Denver's backcourt and they move on to the next round. Or a team like Portland that doesn't really have a lot within four feet of the basket, both offensively and defensively, right? Only took 17, att- uh, 17 attempts within four feet of the basket. Only made 11 of those shots as well in the game against Denver. Like when you just look at the sustainability of the profile for both of these teams offensively, which do you count on going forward a little bit more? The team that is getting their shots closer to the basket or the team that is more reliant on incredible shot-making from the perimeter? And I would rely on the team with the advantage in the front court and getting their shots within four feet of the basket a little bit closer. So, again, today, right, we talk about this price. I think FanDuel right now and other spots over on the East Coast and in those jurisdictions, we're touching about two in terms of the market. Wouldn't be surprised to see the Nuggets close in that range here against the Portland Trailblazers. Seems like a solid bounce back spot for them. And them as well. We talk about all these shooting numbers and anomalies. They went 11 to 35, Denver, from beyond the arc. And still in the third quarter, remember, led by nine points at one point, it looked like they were going to start to pull away from the Portland Trailblazers. So overall, it just, I always have a problem with a team like Portland who it's not so much the jump shooting team thing. It's just overly reliant on the three-point shooting, right? A, te- a difference between Portland and Utah, Utah can actually attack within four feet of the basket. Utah has some personnel that can get downhill. Utah does, but they, or excuse me, Portland does, but they don't really use it. That's why they're bottom 20s in rim frequency. That's why they're bottom 20s in terms of rim shooting as a team on the offensive side. All right, so we still have plenty left to get to in terms of Major League Baseball. Touch back on those hockey numbers to give you an update on some of the prices as well. Major League Baseball, it's getting pretty fascinating in the NL West too, right? Padres have been ripping off wins. Fernando Tatis has been absolutely spectacular. The Dodgers have quietly gotten back to form, even though the numbers haven't been really great. We'll touch on that much more here on Numbers Game on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. 
Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. You have a numbers game presented by BetMGM. Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil Alexander. Be in here all week. All right, Brady Cannon is with us, joining the step very quickly. He's coming up next on Lombardi Line. But you're going to serve a purpose. Obviously, your analysis is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Uh, but I, you know me, I love golf. I like to bet golf. I like to watch golf. But the his, my historical analysis of golf is is very lacking. So to put in perspective what happened over the weekend, I told Jason, I was like, that was a cool story. It was uh, cool to see Phil Walker. But you could put this in a little better perspective because we talked about it from a betting standpoint, right? 201 before the tournament. William Hill taking a loss despite the fact that they didn't really have that many tickets on. I think it was like 1% of the tickets in the handle because you know people in between rounds were starting to get into it and starting right. to bet on him. But from the perspective of what this actually meant, the comparisons were like Tiger in 2019. Yes. And I thought Tiger held more of an edge just because of the course, right? Augusta and his his history there. This is a 
major tournament, but it's Kiowa that, to me at least, doesn't have a lot of perspective with Phil and his history. So put it in perspective for me. Like, how great was this for Phil to do this? It, it was unbelievable, and I think it absolutely puts an exclamation mark on his Hall of Fame career. Um, I think he has probably firmly uh, planted himself in the top ten golfers of all time. Now six major championships, and just to do it at 50 years old, and my wife's been funny for the last couple of days. Like, everybody's making a big deal about this. It's not like he's 100 years old. I'm like, well, where do you see 50 year olds doing anything in any other sport? Is there a 50 year old pitcher in baseball? Is there a 50 year old guy on the court in the NBA? Is there a 50 year old tennis player that's won anything? He was ranked 115th in the world coming in here. And you mentioned Tiger's 2019 win at the Masters, and I think that is very relatable. But that's a course that Tiger had won at four times before. Uh, so it wasn't as surprising to us, I don't think. Mm. And, and we were kind of kicking ourselves when Tiger went on to win that. We're like, gosh, of course, he knows this course better than anybody. This is not a course anybody knew better than anybody else. Of course, the PGO, uh, PGA Championship is nomadic. They don't play the same course every year, year in and year out. And I got to say hats off to the PGA of America and this golf course. I thought it produced a beautiful championship. The balance that it had between scoreability and also difficulty, it just produced a great result. The drama, the excitement, you know, double bogey was lurking around every turn, but you were also able to make birdie and eagle. Uh, so I think this is probably a bigger deal than Tiger winning in 2019 because it, it was more unexpected. And you mentioned the odds. I think Tiger to win that Masters was in the neighborhood of 50 to 1, maybe mm -hmm. 30, something like that. Phil was as high as 300 to 1. I know at DraftKings, a uh, $1,000 bet at 300 to 1 cashed on Mickelson. And you know, of course, he was right there after round one, in the lead after 36 holes, in the lead after 54 holes. I continued to have my doubts. I just and, the betting market still had Kepka, right? Uh, was it? Yes, Kepka was the favorite. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden, on the first hole, the lead switched. Mickelson bogeys the first hole, Kepka birdies it, and I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. But he just came back. He holds that bunker shot on the fourth or the fifth hole, rather, and. It was absolutely remarkable, and, and I do think it's going to sink in. And, and even Jack, you know, congratulated him on Twitter and said, uh, 50, I believe, is older than 46. So, <laughs> um, you know, that was kind of the first Masters moment for me, watching with my dad coming home, I think, from soccer practice or something on a Sunday and watching Jack on the back nine. And, and I think this is going to be that moment for a lot of people with Phil Mickelson. Uh, at 50 years old, the oldest major winner ever in the history of the game. And, you know, he hadn't won in two and a half years. Right. He hasn't won a major in eight years. So it, it really is a big deal. U.S. Open coming up next. Golf thoughts, Jeff yeah, Sherman on Yeah, and he Twitter. goes back to a course he's played a thousand times and won at before at Torrey Pines. So who's to say he can't do it again? Wes Reynolds and I were trying to guess what his odds would be for, for Torrey Pines, and we said maybe 60 to 80. Jeff Sherman put him out at Westgate at 50, 50 to 1. Yep. So... Uh, a short shot indeed, and he, and he ascends up the uh, world rankings. I talked about him being 115th in the world. He's now uh, 32nd, I believe, in the world rankings. So. Really? Yeah. That big of a leap for a win like Huge, that, Huge, huh? right? Yep. And by the way, the, for the top of the odds board, for those who had not seen it, U.S. Open, John Rahm 12-1. to These are courtesy of the Superbook. Brooks Kepka at 14-1. to uh, Brooks Kepka with some history in U.S. Opens. Uh, Dustin Johnson at 14-1, as is Roy McIlroy. And then you get some of the other guys, Thomas DeChambeau, Spieth at 16-1 to apiece. So the usual names up there, but it's not surprising to to see Mickelson's odds really take a big cut 
considering what you're going to see. And by the way, you got to factor in how many people will probably be betting on him in another major after what he did this Right, weekend. exactly. I was just going to say that maybe his true odds are more like 80 to 100 to 1, but they're protecting themselves because they know all of a sudden there's the Mickelson buzz out there now on this next major. I, I think it's less than 30 days away. I want to say June 17th or so. What's interesting, too, they'll tee off the day after Mickelson's 51st birthday. Well, there you go. Some more history for him if he can do it as a 51-year-old. Brady Cannon coming up next on Lombardi Line. Appreciate you stepping in very much so. You put that in perspective much better than I did who just stumbled around going, that was kind of cool. All right, when we come back, Major League Baseball, take a look at the NL West. Does that continues to develop two teams at the top just absolutely on fire? We'll go price shopping around, see what those numbers look like at a multiple, multiple operators. Is there any value in betting on one of those teams, either Dodgers or Padres? We discuss when we come back. to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. We have a new feature on vsin.com. Every day, we're posting the latest betting splits on every game in the major sports with current odds and what percentage of bets and money are being placed on each game, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbooks. Check this info daily. Find out which games are seeing the most tickets written and if that matches the money coming in on those games to help you find a betting edge. Little classic RLM, as the kids call it, huh? Reverse line movement. And, of course, we have all the odds, data, and analysis for every game as well. Start your next sports bet at vsin.com. Man, that website just gets better and better every single day. You know what website's awesome? Twitter. Can't get enough of it. We did get this report up on Twitter, courtesy of Brian Winhorst of ESPN. How about this headline? Donovan Mitchell, angry at the Utah Jazz for late call to sit him out of game one. Sources say. So it looks like Donovan Mitchell, according to Windhorse, furious at the Jazz for a decision to hold him out. As Windhorse notes in his piece with Tim McMahon, Mitchell has been out since April 16th with that right ankle sprain. He's progressed relatively slowly, began to work out with his personal training staff on the rehabilitation, though. There was hope that he was supposed to play in game one, but we know what the late scratch happened. And that now there is, quote, hope that he is cleared to play in Wednesday's game two. But in addition, as Windhorse notes, to managing the injury, some easing of frustrations may have to take place behind the scenes that could include new part owner Dwayne Wade getting involved. Wade has a good relationship with Mitchell and with the team, and is with the team, I should put, in Salt Lake City. So there is some disconnect. I would think this means absolutely nothing for the most part in the long term. I'm sure Mitchell's frustrated. The team is being overly cautious. And frankly, I also think they saw the Memphis Grizzlies and thought, we can steal one here without Mitchell, and that blew up in their face, and now they're down one nothing in the series. But overall, Jazz, 7.5-point favorite in the first game, lose outright 112-109. to As we talked about, statistically, there's some regression coming, and there's a pretty damn good perimeter player coming, too, in Donovan Mitchell. So I think the Jazz are in pretty good form here to maintain and maybe win this series potentially over the Memphis Grizzlies. But really good performance from Dylan Brooks and the Memphis Grizzlies. And no talks with Dylan Brooks after the game about sportsmanship like Coach Mike Krzyzewski did all those years ago. With that, let's move on. We have a lot to get to in Major League Baseball before we get out of here. So I'm pretty fascinated, and as we all probably should be, about what's happening in the NL West over the last, I'd say, two weeks or so, as both of these teams, the Dodgers and the Padres, continue to play some really solid baseball. Fernando Tatis continues to deliver in terms of entertainment and at the plate. He's been an absolutely unreal hitter over the last few games since he has come back from his eight-game absence. 
and again yesterday with those two home runs. But I think this is pretty interesting because, you know, when I filled in on Follow the Money a couple of weeks ago, Matt Humans and I were talking about this, and the Dodgers were in the midst of their awful slump, right? Looked like the sky was falling and everything was over. But over the last 15 days, the Dodgers have started to come back around, right? At least from a record perspective. Now, they're 11 and 1 in the last 12 games. Over the last 15 days, they're 11 and 2. What takes, what, what takes your eye, though, I think here, are the pitching numbers because the ERA has been absolutely fantastic. As a staff, a 209 earned run average. Look at that. Walks plus hits per inning pitched, 0.78. Batting average against a 149. But what's, I think, really fascinating about this, again, we talk about regressing to the mean and guys coming back to form in terms of their numbers. The hitting numbers actually aren't really that incredible, right, from an offensive standpoint. It's a team just under 260 as a batting average, slugging and OPS, 421, 763, not out of this world by any stretch, and just under five and a half runs per game. So the offense can still take a step forward here for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and yet they're winning these games because their pitching staff has really started to come around. You're getting really solid performances from all the arms that you have available. And lo and behold, a team that was in the midst of a very poor stretch of baseball all of a sudden is 11-2 and in their last 13 games, 11-1 and in their last 12, and is now starting to climb its way back up here in the standings for that division. And so... One of the questions that I had is you see the final result from Monday, right? The 11-5 win for the Dodgers, $1.33 favorite on the road against the San Francisco Giants. With that win, Los Angeles Dodgers now a game back from the San Diego Padres, 30-17. and Pod squad is at the top of the division. Dodgers 29-18 and at this point right now. But it's about the big picture type of stuff, right? Three runs only separate these two teams in terms of run differential. Pretty big gap in run differential between the Padres, Dodgers, and the Giants. You expect these two to come, you know, as the season plays out, to extend the gap between them. So the NL West overall as a division, if you're looking around and thinking, hey, you know what, I want to fact, I want to take a shot at this, right? Because we always talk about kind of buying low on teams. It's one of my favorite things to look at, whether it's on a game-to-game basis with the pitchers, whether it's big-picture stuff with some of these guys. So you can see these NL West division odds, it's pretty interesting from the perspective, and you always, we always talk about this, right, shopping around for your number. If you're interested in looking at the Los Angeles Dodgers, a team that in some spots was about a $4 favorite to win this division before the season started, now you can get them as, pro, as cheap as minus 240 to win the NL West over the San Diego Padres over at William Hill. And you see the varying prices there. From a market perspective, the 240 is pretty cheap that's available at this point right now. BetMGM's got a $3 price on the Los Angeles Dodgers. DraftKings over 280 or 286. FanDuel's over 280. Points bet William Hill are the two cheapest ones. But at this point right now, William Hill, the cheapest price on the board at minus 240. So if you're looking at the overall consensus on the market, immediately the 240 sticks out in terms of how well, excuse me, the price, first off, and second, some of the regression that I would expect to come here, especially with this lineup as it continues to get healthier and as they find their feet underneath them. And, of course, too, like the Padres, plus 225 in terms of the division, Giants at 14-1. to 1. I think I'd still want a little bit more on the Padres overall. This, to me, was looking at the NOS and the way that the Dodgers were playing, was shopping for overall some of these NOS numbers, and I thought at minus 240, that was a price that totally stuck out. And, again, shopping for that over at William Hill where you could find it. So... Let's move on to a couple of the other baseball games that we didn't really get a chance to talk about. We only really went through one. Let's go to Philly and Miami because this is a really fun pitching matchup as well. You get Trevor Rogers on one side. You get Zach Eflin on the other. Miami opens up as a $1.20 favorite over the Philadelphia Phillies who snapped a four-game losing streak, won the finale over Boston on Sunday. You see the Marlins, a little push in their direction, not a lot before since, minus 125 now with a total of seven shaded to the under at minus 120. And, you know, we have a lot of low totals on the board today because we got a lot of bad lineups in action 
too. You know, look, Philly, lineup's been pretty bad, right? 20th in weighted runs created, plus 29th in strikeout rate. Not even a week ago, they started this Marlins team in a three-game set. Final two, they got shut down, scoring just one run over the final two games. And now you get a rematch with a guy who was one of those pitchers who held you down. Seven and two-thirds for a guy like Trevor Rogers against this lineup here. And this is a Miami team who has their own issues from an offensive standpoint, right? Bottom half of the – actually, bottom 20s of the league, a lot of key categories for this lineup. But I'm really interested in this because Zach Eflin, in his own right, has been really effective. His numbers are really tight, 377 on the ERA, 315 expected fielding independent, not inducing strikeouts at the same rate as last season, but still great at keeping the ball down, allowing the defense to work, and especially against a lineup like this. So the two games right we were talking about at the top of the show where you're looking at Philadelphia-Miami, and you're also looking at this Padres-Brewers matchup, the potential, not shocking considering the totals, but for those first five to be really scoring given the lineups that are involved and, of course, the pitchers that are involved as well. So we'll see how those markets move. We'll keep up with the NHL, or excuse me, the MLB. We'll touch on the NHL really quickly, give you the updated series and uh, numbers on some of these games because we have had some pretty big market moves early this morning on the five games that we're going to see played later today in the National Hockey League. Don't go anywhere. It's a numbers game. We wrap it up on the other side here on VSIN. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. 
So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. Baseball players may not get style points for home runs, but baseball bettors do. New BetMGM customers can turn $1 into $100 when someone goes yard, as the kids say, during a game. Sign up for the BetMGM app using the code VSIN100, and if you place a $1 Moneyline wager on the Cardinals or White Sox, you get $100 if either team hits a home run. New customer offer, paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. you got to be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. And 1-800-WITH-IT in Indiana and Tennessee. Call or text the red line 800-889-9789. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Really quickly to expand on what we were discussing with the NL West, uh, we do have these for John Ewing in terms of some of the splits. And SoCal, a very popular part of the country in terms of the liability and wagering handle at BetMGM when it comes to baseball futures. You see some of the adjustments, not a big adjustment on the Dodgers uh, to win the World Series. 350 now about plus 325 over at BetMGM. Padres 9-1 to now 8-1. to Ticket percentage, though, Dodgers, Yankees, Padres, not surprising given the amount of tickets on these three teams. Very public, very popular teams highest handle percentage the Dodgers the Mets 12.3 percent of the handle there on the Mets to win the World Series Yankees at 10 percent and then you see the three teams all hailing from Southern California the biggest liabilities Dodgers Padres and the Angels I think a lot of us were surprised at that when it came to the biggest liability I guess you can kind of see it before the season started Otani and Trout and Rendon all together looked like they were going to be a pretty good club took that first series from the Chicago White Sox everything was hunky-dory and now we are where we're at, where Trout is injured, the pitching staff is an absolute nightmare, and it does not look great overall for the Anaheim Angels. Very quickly, wanted to touch on one more baseball game before we move on and update some of the prices that we're seeing in the games later today, um, because I, I do think there is some intrigue in a, in, a, uh, in a game like Colorado in New York, right? So we see the Mets in this game. Austin Gomber looks like Spencer Turnbull. Uh, as we look at the starting pitchers between these two, Colorado coming off of a, a three-game sweep of the Snakes and home, not really saying much, right, just given the fact that uh, the Diamondbacks have not been playing well overall. But if we look at this from a couple of angles, first off, we should note that the Metropolitans, who, by the way, I have noticed that um, the Knicks, the Mets, they have the better names when they're, like, fully Spelled out. I don't know why I put. I said Turnbull, by the way. Spencer Turnbull does not play for the New York Mets. That is a slip of the tongue on my end. But regardless, lineup continues to really struggle for the Mets, right? We look at six of eight positions, uh, players on New York's opening day roster or lineup on the injured list against Miami over the weekend. Six hits, total 19 and 30 innings in the series. Didn't get a runner to second against Poteet on Sunday. So then you get on one side, Austin Gomber. 
who hasn't been great, but did hold down the Padres lineup that we know so much about over his last two starts, right? 11 in the third innings pitched, nine hits, two walks, one run, and 13 strikeouts. Much of his balloon DRA comes with the two bad outings. He allowed three earned runs or fewer, though, in seven of his nine starts this season. Splits indicate that there's like some positive regression coming for Gombert. Not massive, but it's there. 496 ERA, 426 on the expected field again dependent. Command needs some work, but there's some stuff to really like about him in this type of matchup. But regardless, despite the fact that the uh, lineup has not been very good for the Mets since the injuries have really hit them pretty hard, and the fact that Gomber, I think, does have some things that work in his favor, this is one of the names, and this is why I wanted to point this out really quickly, is we've seen about a 20-cent line move, depending on where you look, on this number, right? Pretty much everywhere you're talking about an opening price of about a dollar for uh, dollar twenty four in New York. Now, right now, we're looking at dollar forty five over at BetMGM or higher, buck forty five over at spots like Circa and PointsBet as well. So, some really strong support here for the New York Mets, David Peterson against Austin Gomber. So, I, I just thought that was a very intriguing line move, just given the fact that the Mets, from an offensive standpoint, had not been performing very well. You see the pregame total too, by the way. Total opened up seven and a half, shaded to the under at a buck twenty. Now you're looking right now at about uh, seven or six and a half, depending on where you shop, shaded to the over at minus 120. So with that, just want to point out a couple of things in the National Hockey League before we reset with one of the bets that I've made in the NBA, because there have been some market moves that I think are very much worth pointing out uh, for the early overnight lines and saw some adjustments from there. First off, one of the more notable ones, uh, we're going to go to Minnesota and Vegas. Vegas at home later tonight can close out the series against the Minnesota Wild. Opening price consensus-wide was about $1.62 on the Vegas Golden Knights. But across the board right now, highest prices include BetMGM, William Hill, and PointsBet at $1.85. On VGK, you're looking at a buck seventy-five and a buck eighty over at Win and other spots like FanDuel, DraftKings. Uh, but market in full support here of the Vegas Golden Knights. Flurry's been absolutely fantastic. An offense that had nothing against the Minnesota Wild, not only in the regular season but in Game One, despite dominating a lot of the statistics, has scored twelve goals over the last three games. So they have started to turn things on from that perspective too. So you can understand the market moving in this direction. But as we talked about with Andy McNeil, uh, value from a price perspective on the Minnesota Wild looks like at a plus. 165 price tag later this evening. So one of the bigger line moves there. We also have Edmonton and Winnipeg. Winnipeg later tonight, of course, can close out the series. Oilers, they lose in dramatic fashion. I guess you're not even dramatic when you're up 4-1, and then, of course, you blow that and you lose in overtime. But a massive collapse by the Edmonton Oilers on Sunday. Winnipeg opens as a $1.12 favorite on the overnight lines. Now we're looking at Edmonton as a dollar twenty, as high as a dollar twenty-six, with a total of five and a half shaded to the over at minus one twenty-five. Uh, but market moving and support here. You see these odds up right now. Oilers at minus one fifteen, but consensus wide for the most part, Edmonton dollar twenty. FanDuel is the highest right now at about a dollar twenty-six from a market perspective. And then you get to a couple of others, Toronto and Montreal. We've seen about a thirty cent line move here. Toronto, I thought if you looked at it in my Handicapping in terms of, like, I like last summer when we had the edge and we were doing some of those one-off shows for an hour, really got into the analytics of hockey from, like, the five-on-five standpoint, using those to kind of gauge a lot of these series. We had Andy on a lot, uh, used him to kind of get a little bit more well-versed in some of these statistics. And when you look at this series, I thought this was pretty fascinating just from an edge statistically, right? Because we have a tied series between these two, but... Decent edge in course of four percentage for Toronto. It's 57.4. Very big big edge in expected goals. Four, 3.3, just a little bit over that. So it seems like from a statistical standpoint through two games, while it is tied, Toronto does have a really solid edge going forward. And it's not surprising, at least to me, just reading up on this and looking at what you're seeing for what Toronto has done in this one. 
to go from $1.32 on the open on the overnight to about $1.65 as hollers $1.67 at DraftKings in this matchup between the Maple Leafs and the Canadiens. No real move on the total. And really, the totals across the board have been pretty pretty solid. There hasn't been a lot of dramatic moves anyway whatsoever. A lot of the moves have been on the side perspective. And then last one to note, Pittsburgh and the New York Islanders. Your opener on the overnight was $1.27 in some spots. Now we're looking at as high as $1.42 or $1.41 over at DraftKings. Lower prices on the end of about $1.35 favorites. So just over 10 cent move there between the Penguins and the New York Islanders in a series at this point right now. It's tied and dead even in a lot of statistical categories like we talked about with Andy McNeil. All right, we'll wrap it up and get out of here. Last couple of minutes just to touch on one of the bets that I've already made uh, on the uh, – I actually made this on Sunday, I think, right? Yeah, Sunday. Miami and Milwaukee. We talked at length about the statistical regression, I, I think, that is set to come here for the Milwaukee Bucks, especially from beyond the arc. Think that they can maintain this from a uh, shooting perspective within four feet. They really do have a solid front court advantage, it seems, especially with Giannis uh, actually being able to function. He needs to, I think, zip it up a little bit here on the free throw line. That was incredible. I don't remember the last time I saw a 10-second violation on a free throw, but he committed it over the weekend, which is absolutely nuts and good on the Miami Heat. Awesome gamesmanship for pointing it out. But for the most part, I think there's a lot that works in Milwaukee's favor here. So late four and a half uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks, see where the, the number goes. And the total is going to be fascinating from that perspective as well, just given that this is going to be, it seems like a higher paced series. But in the first matchup, both teams averaging well under a point per possession. It expect a little bit of offense, especially from the Milwaukee Bucks. So over in that regard, Milwaukee minus four and a half. And then the outlier here between Denver and Portland I'm really excited for this, man. This says the shaping of a really fun and good series, but FanDuel right now the highest in the market, about a two-point favorite. Everywhere else, one and a half. This opened up Denver minus one. I know Josh and Patrick were talking over the weekend, a little curious that the initial open was one, and it didn't really budge early. Uh, but over the last 24 hours or so, we have seen the momentum in favor of Denver, at least from the market's perspective, at minus one and a half now in the game with a total of 227. Again, when we talk about what is more reliable, and to me, being very strong in the painted area against a poor team within the restricted area, that is something that is more sustainable over the course of a series. And I think the Denver Nuggets are going to be able to maintain that while as well regressing positively from their three-point shooting and be able to take this one. But it won't be better than this. I'm already invested in the Denver Nuggets at a series price at plus 112. I bet that over at Circa. So I am just sitting back and hoping to even up the series, and we'll see how this goes over the course of a best of seven. But it does look like a really good spot here for the Denver Nuggets, who I think if they can just maintain, or excuse me, kind of correct the shooting issues that they had, I will hold on to the fact that they were up by nine in the third quarter. It was absolutely nuts against the Portland Trailblazers, but really fell off because Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and company really started to take off from that perspective. We should know really quickly, too, as we have these game two numbers up and really coming out for a lot of these games, some of the adjustments on a lot of these, right? You know, for example, the market making the Los Angeles Lakers a two-point favorite on the road here against the Phoenix Suns with the status of Chris Ball and what's going on with his shoulder – Lakers are now two against an opponent who, of course, they lost to. Two-point favorite with a total of 208. So we'll see how the market handles this. And this is always fascinating. Talk about this all the time. The market tends to hedge in the direction of a player, a key player, not playing. You saw it all the time during the regular season. If player A was questionable, the line dictated, essentially, that that player was not going to play. And you see that here in terms of Chris Paul dealing with something from an injury perspective. And the Lakers now sitting at a two-point favorite on the road with a total of 208 against Phoenix. Other notable lines we should note, Boston and Brooklyn. Brooklyn, 
who was about a seven and a half point favorite against Boston the first time around, has a poor first half, then comes back in the second half, blows them away, and gets a really solid win and cover in the first game. Now a nine and a half point favorite with a total of about 227. Lower end total is 226 and a half. But, you know, we talked about this with Orlando and the bubble, and I'm pretty solid on this when it comes to these games where they're on home courts. There's not re- unless there's an injury, there's not a lot of reason to move a line from a game-to-game perspective in a series just because of the result in the first game. So tend to lean a little towards Boston there as there's a little value from a line perspective in that one. Not really worth adjusting that much, in my opinion, but that's a really notable one there. And I'll tell you what, six and a half popping up for the Los Angeles Clippers. Wouldn't be surprised if that gets to six and a half or seven as we get closer to tip off. I think there's a really good bounce back spot there for the Los Angeles Clippers statistically. With that, we are all done here on a numbers game. Really much appreciate it. Uh, I am in for the entire week. Jonathan Von Tobel filling in. It's Lombardi Line coming up next here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.